Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Encounter Church once again. Are you glad to be here? I don't know about you, I, I told uh, Zane, who was leading that last song, um, one of our lead uh, song leaders and uh, song worship leaders, about a week ago, I said, I think I know that song, but I didn't know that song. Um, say, was, was that your first time hearing that song, anybody? I love that song. There's actually a, a verse in the scripture that says he put a new song in my, in, uh, in my heart. Which I love something about a new song, right? Every now and then you hear like an old jam. You're like, ah, I used to rock to that song. But it just doesn't have the same feel anymore. Anybody? In fact, especially if you're a, if you're a parent and you have a young kiddo and you start singing like an old, like, Where the Streets Have No Name from U2 or something or the Joshua Tree album. And, you know, other you know, young kids are around that know all this music and they don't know the Joshua Tree album. You might have to fact check this because I don't know for sure but that might be like the most sold album of all time. Anybody? Yes? Maybe? No one knows? Thank you for your help. I, I don't know. I, I think it is. Anyways, I just love that new song. There's something about a new song. When you're coming to church, I don't know um, how long you've been in church or if you listen to Christian music, but I'm telling you, there's something really neat about coming to, coming to worship, coming to church, and hearing a song, because those songs actually give us an opportunity to express what's going on on the inside. And so there are times when I just stand there and watch and listen. And there are times when I'm like, oh, this is how I feel, right? And I just sing to God. And so that's one reason we love to gather on Sundays is because we get a chance not only to encounter God and to meet with him, but join together in song and sing back to him. And so we're glad that you can um, join us and for that opportunity to be able to jump into a new song. I love that song. In fact, this summer, I'm going to be teaching a month-long series that that song fits perfect. Because one of the stories in the the Bible that that song reflects is the story um, found in the book of Daniel. So we hope that you'll continue to come. This summer, we have great plans. And so if you do uh, miss us on Sunday morning, you can, of course, uh, join us online. Some people right now are joining us online live. And so welcome to you. As well, we're continuing in a series entitled "Spent," and I'm going to jump and dovetail what our pastor Chris started last week. Uh, he's out of town today, speaking at another church, and so we're going to continue talking about this idea built on words. I don't know what you thought of when you even watched that video, but it's so easy in life to be spent, isn't it? Sometimes that has to do with relationship. Sometimes it has to do, as I started the series several weeks ago, our time just feeling tired. Some people need a vacation from their vacation. But I tell you, one of the things that causes us to be spent the most inside is words. And the idea of words, of what people say to us, I mean, people can say one thing to you and ruin the rest of your day, right? You can say something to someone else and how they respond, it ruins the rest of your day. Forget the rest of your day, the rest of your week. And even worse than that, some of you are still living with words that were spoken to you as a child even though you may say it was a lie and not true over you. But words are powerful, aren't they? They're so powerful. They stick with us. In fact, the illustration I want you to kind of sit on for just a moment is the idea of just thinking about writing in wet cement. Have you ever done that before? 
I don't know about you, like if, you, if a new patio is poured or like there's some work being done or, or maybe you haven't, but you've walked by and you've seen like someone sign their name in wet cement, right? Words are almost like that when they're spoken. That when they're spoken, there's a power in those words that sticks forever because the human head, the human heart, we absorb what's said and it sticks. Help me out a little bit. Sticks and stone may break my what? But words will never, everybody say, that's a lie. It's terrible, isn't it? It's good advice to a kid. It's, a, it's teaching maybe a kid. I don't know if you said that when you were a kid. I said that, right? And I remember hearing that. And, I, and I, as an adult, I'm thinking, that's terrible advice, right? If you're an educator and that's still going around the schools, please stop. You know, I just don't. No, it's, it, I get the idea. The idea is to teach kids to be resilient. Listen, a stick may physically hurt you, but a word doesn't have to. You can let it go in one ear and out the other. You can say, that's a lie. That's not true. I'm going to ignore that. There is wisdom in that. But the truth is, those words stick. Words that are positive stick. Words that are neutral stick. And words that are negative, they stick forever. In fact, I struggled today even finding a verse in the Bible because there are so many. So I want to tell you, part of your, part of your optional homework, no grade, of course. I won't ask you next week if you did this. You could go to like BibleGateway.com. It's in a pretty incredible search engine of the scripture and uh, teachings about God. And you can put in the word, word, W-O-R-D, right? W-O-R-D. And search the book of Proverbs and endless verses would come up about the power of these words. So I picked one today. And this one verse kind of captures an action that I want all of us to take. And it's hard. The reason it's hard is because when I read the verse, you're going to say, ah, I'm guilty of that, right? We're not just thinking about what other people have said. We're thinking about what we say. And so the the verse is actually found in the book of Ephesians. And the apostle Paul writes to a church in the city of Ephesus. And he gives instructions on how to live out their faith. At this time, Christianity, in fact, it wasn't even called Christianity for very long, right? But in this idea, it was probably 30 to 45 years after Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. And these early teachings would be sent out to say, what is this Jesus thing about? Who was Jesus? What did he do? The story about him dying on the cross and and rising again from the dead. People began to live for him. People began to to follow him and live like him. And he writes the, 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 the letter to the city of Ephesus, and he talks to them about how to live out their faith. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, this is what it says. I want us to start with it. It says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Everybody raise your right hand. Everybody say, I am guilty. You're like, all right, let's pray. We're dismissed. Um, no, no, it's not yet. No. Like that, okay, you read that, you're like, all right, that's good. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Like things that are, un, are unwholesome are very easy to do, right? Look at the, the rest of the verse. But... Instead, or rather do this, only let what is helpful for building others up according to their needs in order that it might benefit those who listen. Okay, now you read the contrast again. Jump back to the beginning of it, right? And we'll look at it again together on the screen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So obviously that's negative. The things that are, that are not helpful, the things that, that can hurt, the things that certainly can cause harm. But instead... Let only what is helpful come out of your mouth. And you're like, okay, well, okay. What about the neutral stuff? What about talking about the weather, right? Or this incredible 
not-so-incredible spring that we've had, right? What about the neutral stuff? This is not saying that do not speak. In, in, in fact, proverbial wisdom have said, um, if you're going to say anything at all, right, say something positive, right? There's a lot of like, hey, if you're going to say something, make sure it's positive. Like, no, there's of course going to be neutral. This Bible teaching, this Bible verse, what Paul's not saying is to make sure that you do not speak until you have something very positive to say. That's not necessarily the truth. It's by way of contrast, saying that it's so easy for us to let things that are poor or unwholesome, as this verse talks about. Literally, the kind of the Greek basis of this word could literally be translated corrupt or vile or harmful, something that would cause pain. You're like, well, I don't do that very often. Yeah, I make mistakes. You could say, when I said earlier, hey, I, I confess that, yes, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of that too. Of course, all of us are. It's not that you're trying to intentionally cause pain, but by way of contrast, what it is teaching is that we should only allow, instead of what's unwholesome, to, to come out of our mouth. We should only allow what is helpful. I started thinking this week, and I started writing some things down. So how, how do people speak? And these are the, some, the four things that I wrote down really quick. I'm like, when people speak, here are some of the problems. We're quick to speak, right? We're quick to speak. Now, some of you may say, I'm really an introvert. I'd rather not talk to humans, right? You may say, I'm, I'm not really quick to speak. I'm kind of a reflector. I get it. But for the most part, people listen, and they respond, right? So in some ways, we're quick to speak. The second thing I wrote down was that it's unfiltered. These are common practices, right? It's unfiltered. And what I mean is that you speak without having any sense of filter. And some of the filters could be, what does someone else think, that what I'm going to, uh, think about what I'm going to say? Or what do I think they're going to hear about what I say? Another filter could be actually going to advice, go, you know, go asking for advice. Hey, I'm going to be talking to this person about, about this tough situation. What do you think I should say, right? We don't have many filters, right? So it's generally quick to speak and unfiltered. One of the next thing, it's emotional. And when it's emotional, it's often not so good, right? It's emotional because someone says something to you, you feel a certain way, and you respond. You're driving down the road, you feel a certain way, right? And you respond. Your spouse says something to you, or your mom calls you up on the phone, says something, and the emotions rise, and you respond, right? You're quick to speak, unfiltered, and emotional. And then the last thing I thought about is that we don't have much time to reflect and think wisely about our choice of words. And I thought about those four things just quickly. I mean, in like 15 seconds, I wrote, all right, we're quick to speak. It's unfiltered, right? We don't think about what they're, about what they're hearing. We're thinking about what we're saying. It's often emotional, and it, it comes without much thought. I thought those four things are a recipe for disaster, aren't they? But that's what happens in communication. In fact, it's very, very rare when I talk to an individual or a couple and they have something going on that's tough, some trauma in their life, something they're coming for counsel on, something they're coming for advice on, that a core, it's very rare that the core of the problem does not revolve around words. The core of the problem, even often in marriage, revolves around two people and their words. We call that what? Communication. This is a very, very tough thing. But yet the Bible, I told you earlier, you could search, you could Google search, you know, Bible verses, you could go to Bibleway, you know, BibleGateway.com, put in words and tons of the Proverbs in the scripture, give advice on how to do this well. 
And what I'm going to share in the next few moments is a summary of what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. One of the most common themes in the book, giving wisdom, right? This proverbial advice, Proverbs and wisdom to you is summarized in these three things. Because the opposite of what I shared is the summary of what we should be doing. We should be quick, not quick to speak. We should be slow to speak. We should not speak unfiltered. We should place a filter on there. And depending on the context, depending on what you're talking about, the filters change. And finally, like we think about emotional responses. We should, we should respond without emotion. And some of you may say, that's impossible. I say, you're right. It's hard. It's hard to remove your emotions. How do we get to a place where not the first part of the verse, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, is what we experience, but rather, how do we get to live out the end of the verse, the end of the advice that we learn from the scripture on what it means to, to honor God and to please God with our words? How do we get there? You read the end of the verse and you say, I, I would love to be a person that speaks in a way that is always helpful. I would love to, to get to a place in my life where there is no unwholesome talk. By the way, it says, come out of your mouth. You're going to think it, but that doesn't mean you have to say it. You're going to think emotionally. You're going to want to respond. You're going to think about what to say. How do we get to a place where we curb those thoughts or even put a, a zip on the lips? How do, we, how do we get there? How do we get there? Because if you can, you can begin to spend your words in a way that's wise. Some of us have bigger challenges than others. I have the challenge of talking and liking a lot. I, I like it. I like to talk, right? There's not very often that Rachel, my wife, throws me off with something that she says to me. Um, because I like to, in fact, I'm going to make you choose. I want to, by show of hands, who, who responds quickly? If you're kind of a quick responder, raise your hand. All right. Who would prefer not to quick respond? All right. And so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a funny personality. Let me tell you what just happened here on stage. The quick responders were like me, and the slow responders were like, that just happened. That just says a lot about personality, right? It's not good, bad, better, or worse. They both have significant challenges, right? If you're a talker and maybe, you know, someone else that's not a talker, you want them to talk, right? And if you're not a talker, you don't want people to talk, right? And so there's always a tension here. Um, so even the Bible says in this tension, for me, as the speech um, of a fool comes when there are many words, so dreams come when there are many cares. So in other words, when there's a lot of anxiety, it can enhance your dream life, right? It can cause you to, to have bad dreams. It can cause you to wake up at night. And the Bible also says, similar to that, when there are many words, there's many mistakes, right? And so there's, there's just a challenge of it. And I, quick, I quickly respond. I'm guilty of all the things that I'm describing to you. How do we change it? How do we get to a place where we can honor God with our words and spend them wisely? I want to be one that writes in the wet cement and five years later, five days later, not regret what I see because it sticks. First thing is this, choosing the right words. Choosing the right words. In fact, let me go ahead and give you all three. The right words, the right way, in the right time. Right words, right way, in the right time. Let me tell you, the Bible has so much to say about all three of these. But let me describe something before I go into detail on the three. You can't have just two out of the three. 
Two out of the three may still be a recipe for disaster. Imagine having, let's say, the right words and in the right way, right? The right words and in the right way. You're like, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I know exactly how I need to say it. You're like, honey, can you wake up? Honey, wake up. I got to talk to you about something. I mean, hello. Everybody say bad idea. That's a really bad idea. In fact, when the sun's behind the trees and it's setting, it's time for me not, not to talk about anything serious in my house, right? There's a time for it. I can be like, honey, can I ask you a question about the budget? She's like, no, right? We can talk about it in the morning. But I just, just real simple question, yes or no? She's like, no. <laughs> you know? And so th- there's a right time. Imagine having this. Imagine having the right way and the right time. Right? The right way and the right time. You're like, hey, can we talk about something tomorrow? Just give some time to maybe think about what we talk about. Let's just go with this budget okay, example. Imagine you have uh, the right way you're going to say it. You're going to say it with humility. You're going to say it patiently. Um, it's, it's a planned out conversation. But yet your words are wrong. And you start with, why did you? And all they hear is an, an accusation, right? A condemnation. And it doesn't matter what you say from there, what they've heard is, I'm wrong. I'm making mistakes. Imagine having the other two. Imagine the right words and the right time. But you say it the wrong way, right? Imagine saying, you know what, I, I, I know what I need to say, and here's what I'm going to say. Here, here are the words. It's like beautifully crafted. You have you filtered it, right? You, you pray, ask God for wisdom, right? You're like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm going I'm to say the right thing, and it's going to be at the right time. But the way in which you deliver, maybe the attitude or the spirit in which it's delivered, right, is not right. It's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? And I think all of us have experience being, the, 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 being both the recipient of those but also the giver. So what does it mean to have the right words? How do we choose our words uh, wisely? The, a couple of things I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to seek to understand what they think and what they feel first. In choosing words wisely, we first must seek to understand rather than to be understood. In fact, I got to live this one out yesterday. I was in a conversation with someone, and I just, I didn't get it. And the more I asked questions, the more I got it. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't understand their problem because their problem would not be a problem to me. And so we're just on different pages. I'm just listening. And the more I ask questions, why? Why? What do you think about? All of a sudden, the light bulb goes on, and I understand. And guess what? No more conversation. No more conversation. In that moment when you're like, oh, I understand what you're saying, and then I can use my words wisely. Why? Because I understand what they're saying, and I understand how they think and how they feel. Even if I don't, even if I don't have the same perspective of life, we can choose our words wisely by trying to understand. Because when you don't understand, it goes into... What? Attack mode, right? Well, this is the way I think. Why do you think that way? This is the way I feel. You shouldn't feel that way. And if we choose our words, all we can seek to do is to try to understand. The right words also speak the truth. What do I mean by the truth? I mean the truth. And they don't coat and don't skirt around it. Talked to a guy a couple of weeks ago who was going through a tough time, and he wanted to confront he wanted to confront a family member. I said, have you talked with the family member about this? And he was like, well, you know, what, you know what that means? When the conversation starts with well, it means no. It means something hasn't been spoken clearly and articulately, right? And so we can't work on things unless we actually share 
the truth, not part of the truth, because part of the truth can be what? Can be a lie. Part of the truth can be like manipulation. I'm not saying part truth is always a lie. It can be. It can be, you know, sort of manipulative. But the right words speak the truth. And I tell you, that can't, that's got to come in the right way. It's got to come in the right time. I'm just, some of you are like, I speak the truth. I don't care what people think. That's not necessarily a good thing, right? And sometimes I feel like that. I'm just going to speak the truth and, and uh, let the dominoes fall where they may. That can be super dangerous. And I have a tendency to want to do that myself, to speak up and say, listen, I've just got to speak the truth. And I told this guy in this situation that every context is different. I say, you need to look your dad in the eye and tell him exactly what you just told me. No, no other filter, just tell him. I tell you, it was a beautiful conversation. Years of healing happened. Why? The truth. The words weren't skirted around. If someone's going to understand how you think and how you feel, you have to speak the truth. And I tell you, I, I know this. I'm, I, I can't oversimplify that. I know from firsthand experience how hard that is to really speak the truth. But the right words are the truthful words, the transparent words. Not like, well, this is kind of how I feel, but it's okay. But really, it's not okay, right? You're still upset about something, right? So seek to understand what they think and what they feel and speak the truth. Finally, the right words, as Ephesians 4.29, what Paul is telling the church, what Paul is telling believers, that believers, that Christians, those that want to live and honor God, they must use their words to actually make other people stronger. So this idea of building others up, hey, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but use your words to build. The idea of building is the role, one of the roles and the functions of the church. We often will describe this in the scripture by calling it the body of Christ. Like this family, our role, our job, our function is to love one another and to make one another stronger. And you know how you do that? With your words. You can use your words to build. You can use your words to strengthen. Even in my family, in my relationships, in my marriage, with my kiddos, with my extended family, every day I have a choice to make. I can use words to encourage and to strengthen. And if I'm not ready to do that, guess what? Then I need to not say anything, right? What about the right way? What does the right way sound like? Now, this is super hard. I mean, this could be like the months of, months of, uh, of, of talks and messages on, um, from the Bible, from, from God's wisdom and the scripture on, on how do I do it. It's so contextual. It is so based on what's going on at the time. And it's also so based on your personality. Like I may describe something like I could never say it that way. No, you don't know my mom, right, or something. And, and I understand it, it, it's, it depends on the recipient. It depends on their emotional level. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm afraid to communicate because I don't know the person. Right? I could look at some of you and be super truthful and honest. You'd be like, thanks for being real with me. And I could say the same thing to the person sitting beside you. It slapped me upside the head. It's true. How do, how do you know? What is the right way? And I tell you, th this is going to sound easy. My recommendation for you is especially when we talk about the filters, is to gain a filter. It's to really, really, really take time. Because you say, man, I want to build others up, but I don't know what they need. I want to build my, my friend up that they're going through a tough time, but I don't know what they need. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. And I don't know what the right time is. I know it's difficult. And really, I'd encourage you. Here's my third time telling you. 
Go to the scripture. Go to BibleGateway.com. Put in, the, put in Word, and you'll see so much advice about, about words and about giving them in the right way at the right time. But you know what the right way is? The right way can often be described in two words, humility and grace. The right way always is based in these two things. And here's what I mean by humility. Humility can look and sound very different um, depending on the context, but the core of humility is to, for the other person to recognize that they are not being condemned and that you also, you also make those same mistakes. Humility can come by saying, hey, listen, I, I, know, it's, I know I'm not perfect, but can I talk to you about something, right? The opposite of humility is the pointing of the fingers. Why did you, right? It starts with accusation, and it starts with insult, right? Even if you like your motive is quote-unquote good, even if your intention, well, I didn't mean to hurt you. Well, you did, right? And so even if the intention is good, even if the motive is good, if it's not done with humility, it won't be received well. And if the other person feels like you think you're perfect, the other person feels like that, game off. doesn't matter what you said doesn't matter how you said it, right? The second thing is with grace. And grace often looks and sounds like forgiveness, right? Sometimes I'll start conversations with, hey, I, I forgive you, um, and so I'm not upset about this any longer, but can we talk about this? Starting it that way rather than uh, the, the opposite of attitude of waiting for the other person to actually ask forgiveness. Well, you had not asked forgiveness yet. It's kind of silly, isn't it? I'm guilty of that, right? Well, I'll forgive you when you ask. No, it's a heart condition, right? Going to someone and offering them forgiveness is a choice. If it's emotional to you, you might not ever get there, right? But what, what, what actually this, one of my favorite verses in the scripture, as I live out my faith in Jesus, there's a verse that says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, how did the Lord forgive me? My, my, my command, my teaching, my responsibility is to forgive people. If I'm hurt or if I'm wrong, I have to forgive. And so the message to Christians, if you have faith in Jesus Christ and you're living out your faith, it's a commandment. It's not an idea. And it's not contingent on someone asking. Christ died for my sin before I asked him to. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Like, I didn't ask Jesus to die for me. He died for me. He died to, to offer the sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins. Before anyone asked, it was his choice. And all, similar with the way the scripture says in another letter where Paul writes, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He forgave you. Like, he offers love and forgiveness and mercy to all people everywhere, every race, every background. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is that he forgave. And so starting the conversation with the idea of forgiveness, especially because the reason I'm using these tough conversations is because this is when it blows up. Most other conversation that's neutral doesn't blow up, Right? But the way it blows up when we're talking about tough things. If done in humility and done in grace and forgiveness, it paves the way for the words to be spent well. Finally, the right time. Um, is it now or is it later? Some simple questions. Can I bring this up now? If you have a question about it and you're wrestling over it, it's probably the answer is no. When is the right time? Again, so contextual-based. I'd love to have serious conversations at 9 p.m. You know, right? I'd love to. Hey, let's talk. My night's just getting going, you know? 
But I realized, I don't know how many years it took me to realize um, that my wife just didn't like talking to me at night. It just took me a while to be okay with that. I remember early in marriage, I'd be like, I don't think she likes me anymore. She's not even looking at me. I'm like, I don't know, what's wrong with me? You know, why isn't she talking to me? I remember one day she was like brushing her teeth. I don't think Rachel's in here, but I can tell her later. She's brushing her teeth one day. I'm like, why don't you talk to me? She's like, I don't like talking at night, right? And she's like got you know, toothpaste all falling down her chin. It's so personality-based. It's so, it's so contextual, and it depends on the matter. But I tell you, I, I, if I were you, I would just take your time and think, and even pray, ask God for wisdom. When's the right time? And, and let me tell you, just because you choose the right time doesn't mean they're going to think it's the right time. That's why this is so hard. But the timing matters so much. Why? The second filter of that is preparation, right? If you are going to use your words wisely and you're, you are writing in cement, today you're writing in cement, your words will remain in every conversation, right? I don't know if some neutral, yeah, it goes into short-term memory, long-term memory, boom, you forgot. I'm not saying every single word, but I'm just saying words matter. And how do you choose your words wisely? One of the things is preparation. Preparation. When you know a meeting's coming and you know you're going to have an opportunity and you know the bedtime's coming and you're going to have an opportunity to encourage your children, they've had a tough day, you can prepare for that. Or if you know there's a, there's a conversation in the workplace that needs to happen and it's been like this seven-year deal and you know you just haven't had the courage to say it, you know there's going to be preparation. You know you're going to, you're going to think, you're going to discern, you're going to add filters, you're going to ask people for advice, you're going to ask people counsel, and you're going to, and you're going to go do it. Preparation. You have time to prepare. When you have time to prepare, there's a pretty good chance it will go better. Let me say one more thing about filter. I've been mentioning the word filter. One of the filters that we often use, and I'm sure we're all in some different ways guilty of this, we talk to other people about the situation, don't we? And often we'll go to someone else and say, let me tell you what I'm going through, and, 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 and you know, I, I want to see what you think about it. I'll give you a warning on that. Often people will go talk to other people about it. In the workplace, we'd call it hallway conversations, right? It's never brought up in the boardroom. Oh, but you got plenty of hallway conversations about it. That's what we would call gossip, and it's always harmful. So if you do have another filter and you want advice, I agree. You should pursue another person to be a filter for you. But choose that wisely and do it in a heart that actually wants advice, right? You can start a conversation. Hey, let me tell you what I'm going through. And you tell someone what you're going through and you want advice, but you really don't want advice. You just want someone to hear you, which is understandable. But I'd give you a warning on that. And it can be hurtful and it can be harmful. And the gossip... Pursuing other people for a filter can actually be still writing in the wet cement in a very harmful way. It can cause bitterness even in your own heart. So the right words in the right way at the right time. So here's a few things on the application side I want to encourage you to do. Take time before you speak. Some of you say that's hard. Some of you say I do anyways, right? Take time before you speak. The second thing, talk to a trusted source. Talk to someone. If you're struggling with a conversation that you have not had, you know you need to have, you might need some help with it. And you, you might need some help from a trusted source. 
It could be someone here. It could be me, a pastor. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. Talk to a trusted source. And the filter is this. How would you say it if you were me? How would you say it if you were me? Finally, on the emotional side, focus on the, the facts. Focus on the facts. And Chris shared this last week a little bit. Focus on the facts. Kind of remove the emotion. Like we're not, this isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about, do you remember if you were here last week, Chris shared a story about taking out the trash. It's a yes, no, but when there's emotion involved, it's kind of bad. You get her, okay, can I take out the trash, right? It's not about the trash. It's not about you and me, about the fact that you never take out the trash or why don't you ever listen to me? No, it's just, hey, can you take out the trash? Yes or no? To remove the emotion and focus on the facts. It's a challenge. But if you do this, it will pave the way for you to spend your words wisely. The final encouragement I'd like to challenge you with is the end of the verse that we've just been reading, Ephesians 4.29, that it may benefit those who listen, that it may benefit those who listen. I want this for you. I I want this for me. I I want to know that people are encouraged when they walk away from a conversation with me. Not about the weather, not the neutral conversations, not not the ones that are easy, but the ones that are often hard. How do we do that? How do we do that? I tell you, one of the ways that you can look and to see to know if you're doing that well is to look at the fruit, so to speak, in their life. Do people thank you for the encouragement that you give them? Do people come to you for advice? I'm not saying that you're not using your words wisely if people don't come to you for advice, but I tell you, you will know if you start using those words wisely to encourage, to challenge, to give hope, to give, to give encouragement as you're telling your story, you'll know. Why? Because it will be a benefit to those who listen. Someone at night will say thanks to you, right? If you're talking to a, a son or a daughter and they've had a tough time, they say thanks for listening, right? Here's what it looks like. It sounds like and looks like someone looking at you and saying, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for talking with me, right? I'm not saying the pressure has to be like every conversation. You have this filter. But if you want to know, am I using my words wisely? Someone's going to come and talk to you. Your spouse is going to feel free or your friend is going to feel free to talk with you about tough situations. Are they going to feel feel free, the sense of freedom to jump into conversation with you? Sometimes our words, it looks like, being silent. Sometimes it looks like courageously just speaking the truth. And sometimes it looks and sounds like just asking questions, trying to understand what someone is going through. But I tell you, when Paul said this, he experienced it himself. Learning from and leaning into the life of Jesus, Jesus did this well. It's fascinating. All throughout the the gospels that we call them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus lived this out. There were times when Jesus was challenged, I mean challenged, by some of the most powerful people on the planet, and he did not respond. He gave them silence. Was Jesus reflecting? Was Jesus thinking? Jesus was communicating through silence. There were other times when Jesus, through his teaching, would ask questions rather than condemn. There were times when he would ask questions rather than condemn. The conversation in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, Jesus asks questions, right? Like, you're Jesus. Like, he had the knowledge, the knowledge and the full presence and the power of God. What's he asking a question for? Does Jesus need answers? He's communicating. And there were other times Jesus boldly spoke the truth. I mean, boldly. 
I mean, like making people mad. Did Jesus make people mad? Oh, yeah, he did. Especially the religious hypocrites of the day. Jesus made people mad. Why? He spoke the truth. And sometimes that's hard. I don't want you to do that. I don't think that's helpful, right? Trying to make people mad. But Jesus didn't try to make people mad. He spoke the truth. And for you, I want you to step into a place, and I want myself to step into a place where we're using every single word wisely. I know this. We all make mistakes. All grace and humility given to you. I make mistakes. There are times when I do not choose my words wisely. There are times when I am quick to speak. There are times when I speak very emotionally. And there are certainly times when there's no filter. But I tell you, we can change that. And one of the ways that I want to even pray as I pray in just a moment is to pray that God would help us step into a place where we learn from him, we learn from the Apostle Paul, and we step into a place where we choose our words wisely in the right way, in the the right words, and at the right time. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you are exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.